0: Big thanks to Arno at ALM, ALMK9Equipment.com. That's the letter K, the number nine. Hit Arno up at A-R-N-O at ALMSuit.com. First time visitors to a site use discount code WD Radio to receive 10% off your new tug or suit. This episode in part is brought to you by Suits.com, based in Loveland, Colorado. Be sure to hit them up at DemonetBytesuits.com, D E M a and E T
1: Yeah, I'm a crazy mother. walking up your stray.
2: Crazy as fuck, good at you. Ever. Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite.
0: Back at Bravo 3, put on by Tripwire Operations Group here in Las Vegas, Nevada again. Now we are with David Dorn from uh, Canine Stack uh, and the Canine FTO program. Uh, David, how you doing? Good, how about you guys? Doing well. We've, uh, you guys, uh, we've had some instruction going on, you were teaching a course, we were teaching a course, we've had lots of canine handlers, bomb guys, and SWAT guys here. Uh, what course were you teaching while you were out here? To This, this conference I was teaching uh, Normalization of
1: Risk for the Explosive Detection Dog Handler. It's a good class, it's uh, quick. Every class that you do here at these conferences is a, kind of a crash course. You know, that could be a three-day class, usually you'd be working on everybody's entries and how they're working their dog or normalization of risk, coming in and exiting those kind of type of scenarios.
0: Yeah, so why don't you give us a little bit of your background, um, you know, how you got into K9 and uh, how you got to where you're at now with K9 stack and everything else. Right.
1: When I started working in law enforcement, my first FTO was a canine officer.
0: Uh, I have one of those. <laughs> so I've <laughs> got one of our dogs, yeah. And those dudes are always, yeah. So you're like, you know, the first day you're like, oh, here, come out here and hold this dude. And you're like, what?
1: Yeah. yeah. Here's a sleeve. Uh, what's that <laughs> sleeve doing, you know? Mm. And you're dressed and pressed. That's what's funny is you're dressed and pressed, right? Your boots are all shiny. And you're wearing the different uniform. You know, you're wearing the uniform <laughs> yeah. that oh, yeah. is the the regular army or navy you know type outfit and all of a sudden here catch this dog right. so i guess i didn't get too many gig the gig cards for uh, having a messy uniform because as soon as you get in that car it's it over it. Yeah. and then you quickly learn some stuff you know and what not to do what to do how you're supposed to be utilizing the dog and those any kind of situation so you're on fto and you're already you know on pins and needles anyway and Now we're gonna throw this dog in on it. But I had grown up in law enforcement and grown up around animal control. So we were already kinda rescuing dogs and thinking about putting dogs into law enforcement that we could rescue shepherds, stuff like that. Uh, back in the day you wouldn't even hardly see a mile but now, you know, just like anything else it's kinda trendy, you know. Mm -hmm. We went through what we go through, Rottweilers, Doberman Pinchers, and you know,
0: the gamut
3: of everything when I was a right. kid Dobermans were the scariest dogs ever right like I loved it. Was of it. I loved it yeah. well I had a red Dobie. it had a
1: busted ear you know it was mm-hmm. ugly it looked like a mongrel <laughs> and it was the old-school way of doing things hey here's your first dog just take him home and feed him for a couple of weeks you know and this dog's growling at me the whole time <laughs> just some red doby mongrel looking at me and I quick I thought back then that because I had handled the dog for three months that I could be a trainer
3: of course. But
1: I was in handler, you know. So that's what it happens nowadays. That is the way it works, you know. So you're a one-dog wonder, you know. But I wanted one of those pretty dogs, so I went and got me one of the pretty dogs. And this dog, it went out on a brain uh, tumor that we didn't know about. So I got a pretty dog titled, Schutzen-style. And first call we go on, that dog's like,
2: no, I'm done as yeah. soon as he heard
1: the leaves cracking underneath his feet, and we got to the broken window where we were gonna send him through and it was over that dog was fast to the car so <laughs> I quickly knew that there was a distinct difference between handling a dog and training a dog so then I went to every conference I could every school I could and then I saw I've been to two handler courses those were three months long and I went to three trainer schools and those are different techniques from different master trainers, uh, Luther Evans, Randy Hare, those kind of guys mm-hmm. from uh, Evans from back in the old school days. Steve Brewer, old school days. You know, they're still around. They're still doing that mentality. But I like those guys because they evolved. When we went to uh, the last school we went to was five weeks instructor school, so a trainer school. You're still going. These guys had 27 years in, and they're going to the schools that I'm going to. That that means a lot, you know, yeah. because those guys are going to evolve. But you guys know we've come to the conference circuit and you see pop-up companies all the time, but they don't last, you know? Three to five years and they're out. But hey, did they make their money? Yeah, but we. more importantly, we started focusing more on the handlers. That's what this conference is about. You're not bringing your dogs here, it's handler training. So we quickly learned that there's a different way to do this and we wanted to bridge the gap between initial canine training and what happens when you get back to your agency. So that's why we created K9FTO online school so that someone that the agency could become a K9FTO, that guy, whoever comes back, the handler gets back from school, I don't care where you went to school, if you went to Indiana, Kentucky, Mexico, Florida, you get back, this is how we do it here in California, or this is how we do it here in Washington or Utah, whatever, right? We, This is how we do it here. Someone's an FTO and says, boom, first day one, they're in the car with you. Yeah. And that's, you know, it all starts from there. You know, we could, now they're buying dogs, right? Right. Now you're buying a trained dog and a guy with a year and a half experience is there at your department to catch you as the rookie, but he doesn't have any, I mean, that's not real world stuff. I mean, that guy has a year and a half. He just started gelling with his dog six months ago. You know what I mean? It takes over a year to do that. So... We created this class. It's two, 22 chapters of learning so far. We've had a lot of people, hopefully you'll write a chapter That'd be you know, and get us going on that. But we, we know that there's a handler instructor, and when we have our schools, we have a handler instructor, so I'm dealing with the handler, and then you and Kyle, you know, like Kyle Crotter, you guys are handling. You guys are training the dog. The decoy word should just be thrown out to a certain degree, and some of the... In some of the fields right. right okay a trial okay you could be the decoy but when you guys are training what you guys do for months at a time looking at different dogs training these dogs up to be at that level you guys are the trainers on that end well somebody has to train the handler so right we st- there's a handler instructor school and that's what this is and then there's The canine trainer the canine trainer you guys would need you know 10 20 years of the experience seeing different dogs and same with the handler the handler instructor is the guy who's teaching the human so it's a lot of hands-on but there's a lot of curriculum that's how we learn. we read the stuff and then we go on and do it but if you haven't read it then you're just kind of just going out there flying by the seat of your pants trying to do this And there's always going to be that defunct. There's always that gap when you hit the street. So they don't even know how to get their dog in and out of the car because when they went to school, it was in and out of crates or in and out of a kennel.
0: Right. This
1: is the simplest thing.
0: And and, uh, I deal with that now. I don't know Eric probably doesn't, but, you know, I mean, we we deal with smaller departments that don't have the ability to send somebody to school for 16 weeks or 14 weeks or whatever it is. So they're sending a handler for a month and they show up, dog's done. Like, done, done, okay. ready to rock. If they want not experiencing their dog to go certify that day, no problem at all. And, but, you know, they spend, you know, a lot of time uh, dealing with yeah, learning right. how to handle. We're not problem solving. I'm not doing any other bullshit. It's literally, this is what I want you to do. This is why. This is how you do it. Don't worry about the dog. He knows what he's doing. Just this right. is what you're going to do. So, you know, and I think both aspects of that are, are important. One, you know, we have to, because everybody... Um, it's in a hurry. Everybody worries about budgets. And, you know, if you've got a 10-man department, you can't afford to have them down for that long. And uh, so, you know, which is interesting that we have this online program now. Uh, so talk a little more about how it works on the online portion of the FTO program. Right. So you go to
1: caninefto.com and you can pick which class. If you've never been in law enforcement, then you could be a certified canine handler instructor. It's going to be a little bit different than the K9 FTO class. There's two different classes. One has the blue line through it. The other one has a red line through it. But it's one's K9 FTO, and the other one is Certified K9 Handler Instructor. The FTO is geared around uh, more of the field training when you're in the car with them. So you have this, the sign-off sheet, but mm-hmm. the FTO program you're getting signed off on. The, the civilian, I would say, trainer model, the professional, private professional model, the certified canine handler instructor, that one's, you're not going to be able to sign off on those guys in the car unless that agency wanted you to. But you can't be an FTO if you haven't been in law enforcement. So we had to write the certified canine handler instructor, and they're getting the same training. They're just not going to be able to sign. They're not signing off on a law enforcement officer while he's on duty. You know, that wouldn't be there's There's gonna be a little glitch in the system on that one but there shouldn't be you know what I mean you have to be some of these guys have been with the department like we said like a year and now that person is in charge of their canine unit we started getting those calls all the time it's like you need to take this class because the people that are coming up and not only just taking this class to be the handler instructor is you're using this so you have weekly training so I'll bust out odor deployment That's one chapter, and you go over it like a human. The dog's in the car. You're reading that chapter. You're going through it, the curriculum. And then you're going to talk about what scenarios you're going to run. Then you guys go get your dogs, run the scenarios. You know, yeah, training yeah. has to go way beyond just pulling out the lawn chairs and waiting for your turn. There is no waiting for your turn. Like, you should be involved the whole
0: way. You know, there's a lot of, recently there's been a lot of stuff, too, where most places in the country can and is treated as a specialty in law enforcement. They're not allowing some officers to stay in specialties for an entire court. Right. Uh, where I'm from, they do uh, you know, some of have been for year, 20 years. Right.
1: So that's uh, good and, and bad, but as long as they keep evolving, that's a right. good thing. But yeah. Right.
0: And then, like I was going to say, the other side of the coin is that you get guys that handle a dog for six years and then they're forced to move to another portion of the unit. Or you so get. Promoted, promoted, which is
1: kind of like bad. I mean, you get promoted, and that's supposed to be a good thing, you know. It takes a lot sometimes. You put in for it, sometimes it's at a smaller agency, you would just be elected. Like, guess what? You're a corporal, and now you're a sergeant. But to take your partner away from you and those years of training, it's just like when 3 at 50 came out from PERS California, PERS did this 3 at 50, so you're 50 years at age, guys were bailing out. Our law enforcement retiring at 50, I mean, we lost so much knowledge to even street mm-hmm. tactics, to street calls. That city lost, you know, a huge resource when they started losing all these people. And that's what happens when you take these officers out too soon at a K-9. So it's a huge investment. And I think they need to, if they paid attention to that more, we came up with a supervisor school online. So that mm-hmm. kind of helps because a lot of guys you become a sergeant or if you're a sergeant and now you're in charge of a group of guys out on the street a squad or a platoon now canine fell into your lap or you volunteered for it no I'll supervise canine it's like well you need the school you can't supervise it's the only thing in law enforcement that you're supervising that you know nothing about
2: uh, uh, Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh yeah. You become,
1: so we've made a supervisor's canine supervisor school is on K9FTO.com, and it's only three hundred ninety nine dollars it's 15 chapters, one of the chapters is John Peters, Terry Fleck, they had their input on it. Right. And that's 200 pages of case law and it's right. written so that you can understand it, yeah. not like some of the books right. that you some open up, you're like, I the, don't even know what this the, says. Uh, some of <laughs> weeding I've,
0: I've played that game recently where I've read some of that and I'm like, oh man, Great. okay. So, yeah, so it's online, it's easy to get a hold of. Is this specific to California or is it national? No, this is
1: national. Okay. National. And we've got people from the Bahamas, the group of Bahamas, you know, a bunch of different places that want to get in on it. So we're looking for some associations to kind of go through it, send somebody through it and give a backing on it. And then we can kind of go that way and just get the word out more to everybody because we're, you know, we don't. I'm not a marketing expert. You know. We just put the course. We just put the course together. Work here, yeah. right?
3: <laughs> I don't know anything about marketing, but yeah. This, this is this is really good. It's definitely a um, like something that was lacking, like a. A, a niche where because that's the thing there's a lot of places that don't have a unit because they will not send a guy away right. because yeah. of whatever so I I'm th- so you have this and people are like oh you can't learn you can't learn canine training or handling online you can get a masters in most subjects on, right. online right. so why couldn't you learn that the human aspect of the of the canine part because right. like we were saying the guys are now you know the 14-16 week courses are done so the five and six week courses are coming and it's on the fly. I always tell the guys at the first day of my school, I have a fully trained dog for you, you're green, you are gonna be drinking from a fire hose. And I'm gonna be standing behind you as you're going, giving you instruction as we're moving because we have no choice. Right. But if they can sit and read it on their, at their own pace. Right. You know, and uh, do you, wait, well, some other the guys,
1: with the, what do you
3: say, the bonding
1: period? So some of these bonding periods, you know, where they're gonna hey, you you made canine now, or you got to wait two weeks until school starts because their trainer doesn't have a facility maybe or something like that, yeah. or he's not even housing the dog for you. That guy, that that particular handler should be, have already taken this class, right? Because there's no way I'm sending you home with a loaded gun for two weeks. Like just take this gun home, play yeah, with yeah. it. That's what we used to do, and they're still oh, doing yeah. that because some of the trainers don't have a
3: place or whatever. Yeah, I give a dog on a Friday and we start on Monday, and I'm like, do not ruin this dog right over the weekend. We've
0: only got three days.
1: So Do nothing. Yep. Everybody Every, should be the best yep.
3: ball players yep. by the time you are back and that's it.
1: Every interaction <laughs> you're either training or detraining the dog. So that's hard to take a product and take it home like that because now they're either detraining something that you trained or they're training something new. Yeah. That is not that is untraining something that you did because I know you didn't have the <laughs> eating at the table or sleeping on the bed or whatever. Right.
3: So, so the program on there is it uh, is there like tested on the material as you're going along? Oh, yeah. Or it's, is it yep. at the end? It's chapter-chapter
1: quizzes at every chapter that needed one and you have to pass the quiz to be able to move on. If you fail it's a it's a curriculum. it's a school yeah so if you fail more than so they get you first test then the second test if you fail that second attempt then they contact you know me no. wow. <laughs> so know. Yeah. yeah so the, the the school hits me up online like hey this guy's having some problems or if you're going too below it'll rate you at whatever percentage that you are on passing or if you're too low then i'm gonna I'm kind of policing the scene, so from behind the scene, and if I see somebody too low, I always contact them. Or if it's taking them too long, we give you 10 weeks, to take a 40-hour course. Right. So, I mean, it's usually, it's, these guys go in and out of the system, so you can go in and out, so if you're doing it on duty, you get a call, you just log off and go to your call, come back, it remembers where you were, you're still in that same chapter, you finish reading the curriculum, and then take the quiz.
3: Right, and that's good, because the point isn't to cram it in a week or a few right. days. Don't, don't, you don't need 15 hours a day of, no, of this because you're no, just not going to absorb it. And we
1: don't have that kind of time, you know what I mean? Right. These guys, especially for the supervisors, they're they're dealing with supervisor stuff, you know, and yep. then trying to go home. If they just took an hour a day and did this, they'd be done pretty quick. It's only 40 hours. but uh-huh. There's not anyone that's just not taken it that said, like, wow, like, I should have had this a long time ago. Yeah, right. So that's a good thing. That's why we wrote it. Jeff Shetler wrote some chapters, and we're at his university, online university,
0: yeah, we're going to so have Jeff on at some point. Yeah, so uh,
1: he's got the online so university, and not a lot of people even know about that.
3: No, they do not. So,
1: yeah, I mean, it's just he's got that. He wrote that. So we had John Peters, Terry Fleck, um, Jerry Bradshaw wrote the canine learning. So okay. if you guys wanted to come in and write something. Yeah, yeah Bradshaw, on the, on Bradshaw
0: the uh, we talked about that when he was on the show. I mean, the guys mm-hmm. produced a prolific amount of uh, written
1: material right. in the industry. Right, and, uh, so he saw this, like you guys, and was like, I want in on this. Right. So awesome. what can I write? And was like, hey, you need some learning. I knew that he had written so much stuff on it, just like Jeff on the tracking. You know, he's a man tracker. Jer- Jerry, to me, knows so much on it. learning, canine learning and behavior. Yeah. But this, That's the written documentation is how we learn. We're gonna read that stuff as handlers and as supervisors to be able to go, this is exactly we're going to know exactly what they're talking about. And you need that for the next group of guys that are coming in. If you're going to be the K9 FTO or the handler instructor, you need that training Yeah. so that you can tell them. And you're doing yeah. done dogs too, correct?
2: Yeah. We do
1: green. Yeah, we'll do, yeah, it's hard to sell green dogs. We've been asked to do that a lot. American green, meaning it has a little bit of training on it. <laughs> it has a little bit of training on it. But the prices bit. are just insane right now. We were just trying to get into puppy raising and concentrate on K9FTO. So we had some people that wanted us to do some puppy raising for them. And we were just gonna concentrate on doing the, the on-school line stuff. And we were trying to get on with the GI Bill mm-hmm. and trying to get on with associations to try to, organizations to support the K9FTO cause. and hopefully we can still push that forward but then we end up getting involved in some large contracts which is i mean it's that it's not my forte that's I'm a juggernaut like a five some. dog guy six dogs you know i try not to have that many people in my class you know, that one-on-one attention and you know the quality control just starts going down i don't care who you are you know what i mean quality yeah. control starts dropping and then i don't feel you know good about that so i boys, train a ton to of basic
3: yep and this last summer, I had 10 guys in the class right. by myself, way too much. Yep. I had a couple retreads, I call them guys, that had been handlers before that was helpful. Thank God. Yeah. Right. But uh, it was a lot of green dog, green handlers, or pre-trained, all green handlers except for a couple, and way too much. Five or six is, is about the most. Right. So right. right. Nice. Per
1: instructor, and then you just got to know who you're in with, you know, that they're, everybody's on the same page. So if they already, everybody's up to page on k K9 FTO training, then the curriculum's there. So everybody's speaking the same language
0: and going through the motions together. Excellent. But, yeah. So, uh, where can we find uh, the FTOs online stuff, and how can people get in contact with you to sign up if they uh, to get sign up to get signed up to get right. on? To the as
1: program. soon as you go to K9FTO.com, like just click, or you can get a hold of us if you have questions at the bottom contact page, or you go to K9 Stack, K9 Specialized Training and Consulting, K9Stack.com. And that's where we have dogs available, initial training programs, advanced training courses, you know, monthly maintenance. But we try to concentrate on the specialty. You know, we like to do the three-day specialty class, tactical classes. Right. And that's that geared toward that. in our decoy school is five days. I won't do a decoy school in three days unless that person's already been doing it for like five years or more. Then Kyle will say, okay, we'll do a three-day class for that, for a particular group. But otherwise, it's going to be five days, and you still have to have some kind of criteria. Otherwise, your certificate's not going to say that you went to some, what is the key word in our industry, master. Master. Yeah. You didn't go to master anything until you get to see a bunch of different dogs. Right. But when they come to our schools, they're handling not just one dog. They always handle like six or more dogs.
3: That's good. Because a lot of these, like guys come to these seminars and things. No one brings dogs. Right. There's not touching dogs. Right. Uh, so, so yeah. If you're gonna do, if you're gonna go, you have to go to a place to. to if you're gonna learn decoin, like really learn it, you gotta go catch right. a lot of dogs, yep. a lot of different types of dogs, and all that other stuff. And uh, that's your, your canine stack, which is STAC for those who don't know. Uh, that's a lot of stuff you offer. And um, so let me ask you, backing up to like when you started and everything, where everybody we talked to, the big hotbed thing now is explosive detection. That is really, really taking over the industry. How different is it now than when you were started? Right.
1: Well, before we had explosive detection dogs in our city and county out in San Francisco, we already had explosive detection dogs. I mean, that's a city and county. I Everything's mean, mm-hmm. huge out there. There's 3,000 of us in law enforcement just there, without okay. counting the federal uh, level guys. So we have had maybe 20 dogs, and then after 9-11, 60. <laughs> yeah. so, and then the last, what, Super Bowl and all that, we were doing training exercises, getting ready for the Super Bowl, that we have 110 teams there. So you start getting the feds and everybody come in. So it's, it's grown, but so is the price, and that's kind of weird. I mean, I try not to say supply and demand, when you're talking about animals and, a, and a, a technique that is there to save lives or not, you know what I mean? But before, Bob, before 9-11, bomb dogs were like $3,500. Yeah. A, la- a <laughs> Labrador? Yeah. Like now, I think the last... Well, we're trying to push green dog, green labs, or even trying to bring labs in from Europe right now. They're going for six, green. So a trained bomb dog before 9-11 was $3,500. Right. I mean, I could pull out... Those proposals from some of the other master trainers. And yep. some of those master trainers are now selling dogs for thirteen thousand dollars. Well, it's supply no. and demand. It's like, right. I mean, hey, you know. It, and that, it, and it, that was a three month school and now they're five week schools. So Yeah.
3: And there's folks, <laughs> that's how the market's changed right. unfortunately. And then there's folks uh, with deep pockets that learned if they they'll get they'll get the dogs they want if they just come out with the money and you won't. You know, because right. you you know if you don't have the pockets they do, and right. it is just kind of the way the business has flowed. Yeah, they but say
1: you need a green dog. Okay, this is what they're going for right now, and you're like, but it's me. Like, yeah. You know, trainer to trainer, we do trainer to trainer deals. We take dogs for somebody gets a big contract, they'll send us ten dogs or twenty dogs, and we get to train. We'll train those dogs in odor and search. Initial search, they're already doing rooms, vehicles, open area, and then we give them back to them, and we're only charging like twenty five to three thousand dollars to a trainer to trainer trainer to trainer deal I mean that way there's a lot more meat on the bone for them I mean we're just trying to pay our bills and get good dogs out there and and they know to come because we're gonna you know you take it to heart I want to make sure that every dog I put out is spot-on
3: what is great is a lot of these engineering companies and things have come up with a lot of data on what odors doing things we didn't know back in the day and it's changed a lot of the way people are doing stuff right well you know
1: the Ken Furton and Swig Dog. Mm-hmm. Swig Dog did a lot of Ken Furton was a state of Florida State University. Swig dog with the C N C A guys. They they came out with a lot of research and that saved us that saved us a lot of you know headaches and we couldn't figure out what the right, dog was yeah. doing before. <laughs> what's source, what's not source, you know, and why is the dog not going to source yeah. we need the dog using his nose, not his eyes. Right. So we've learned so much from those people and we got a state contract we have the state of california accelerant detection so we just picked that up for cal fire and that we've had that for two years now on a pilot project and that has trained us so much on odor i mean we're dropping one drop one drop one beaker drop of fluid on the ground and that dog's finding that thing and you cannot see it how many odors is
0: that now it's like 400 <laughs> Well it's
1: 16 and then it spins off from there yeah. it's insane but they have to train on the 16 pure and then 16 burnt so you're at 32 and then there's just the combinations are insane. It's just crazy And these but, are all food dogs No no hopefully. no thank God they're not yeah. food dogs but yeah that's a tough that's yeah. tough That would be tough for us to do.
3: People I know that do food reward dogs through accelerant. I was asked if I could train one, and I contacted a fire marshal he goes, don't, don't do yeah.
2: you, it. You need
3: to learn more about chemistry than you want to oh know. God, yeah. And yeah. what the dogs can eat out of and yeah. can not eat out of, and, and everything in your house that's going to do this yeah. and that. And we have one with Sac Fire, and the,
1: so that one's Toy Reward, and then the one for Cal Fire is Toy Reward. We have one at Yolo County Fire Department, and that guy uh, is Toy Reward, so we haven't done any food that, not a fan so right. hey on target and fight on source and pull them off you're going to test the area you know take the samples but the one dog's already i mean he's 100 percent proven on the street already everybody that's working is 100 percent proven on the street they already have fines and who knew that it would be such something that was so so needed but we've had a lot of fires in the in california this year
3: oh, yeah. so you have a lot of uh you know like the cal fire contract and things like that but a, a fire department that has one or two can contact you. Are you guys doing going back that way, back to individuals? Oh yeah, they
1: can contact us anytime okay. for
3: canine, just canine
1: stack, and then yeah. we'll train their dogs up on Accelerant. So
3: we get asked. I get asked a lot. Right. And being on the East Coast, there's a couple insurance companies that run training, right. but it's the food reward, and guys go there and they hate it. Yeah. I mean, they get good dogs, but they get they just it's, and you know, guys have to train to feed, right. and eventually they stop doing it. Yeah, they stop. It
1: gets late, you know, yeah. it's we're, it's the human. <laughs> That's why you do the, the handler, <laughs> yeah, exactly. the handler right. course. Yeah. The handler is the one, you know, normalization of risk. 75% of my class, we're not even talking about the dog. It's what are we doing? What are we doing to mess him up? Have obedience on a odor detection dog? Heavy obedience before, in and out of the structures? Mm-hmm. Like you should be searching, but you're doing obedience in a heel or you're running on a pinch collar or a choke chain. And I know a lot of people do run on choke chain, but for a detection dog, what's the if you don't sit stay come heal like all of us, right? That's how you get into the thing, right? And mm-hmm. i would just give me a choke chain. Well now you're running your detection dogs. Some of the biggest agencies are running their dogs on detection on choke chains, like why not just a flat collar? Yeah. You're not supposed to be correcting them. Right. It's supposed to be free search. It's supposed to be the dog using his bones, getting away from you, trying to find out. So it's weird that our industry is still kind of funky on some of that.
3: Yeah, that is strange. then we have guys that come out to do obedience, and they just have them on a flat collar. I'm right. like, we're backwards here, guys. We've got to right. So they're like, well, what's a choke chain on Oh, we run that for detection. The dog's on the
1: choke chain for detection, but he's on a flat collar for obedience? Yeah. <laughs> what just happened to the
3: universe? <laughs> right. And what happens is, too, I know this, because if, you, if you're if training enough dogs, you can get a, you can give a nice correction on a flat collar oh, if you yes. do it every day all the time like we do. And they see you do that. And then they're going to try it, and they're... It's right. Not the same. It's more of a jerking, like yeah.
1: instead of the quick snap. But yeah, if you're doing the pinch or the flat collar or the choke chain, it's all just about the dog being independent from you. He's supposed to be out there actively searching, and that's true.
3: the pinch collar. The pinch collar detection is always the same excuse. I want to slow him down. Yeah, he, he needs to be more works, methodical. Is the word he works too fast, which means you just. Can't keep up. Right,
1: I don't know what that means. It yeah, works too fast. That's the old huskies
0: are made to pull heavy shits so and all the do heavy shit thing. Right.
1: So, <laughs> right. 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 How do
0: I get a husky to slow down? Speed up. I don't know.
1: Get a heavier car. <laughs> yeah. Get a heavier car, eat more, load your pockets. Yeah. No, you need to keep up with the dog. You're supposed to be actively in the hunt. And just like we, you've ever seen the bird dog guys out there, they're not saying we need to slow our dog down. Heck no. The dogs out there, I didn't have to kick every rock. I didn't have to kick every bush. I didn't have to present every bush. And we covered acreage. Yeah. And I, they found the five birds that were planted.
3: Right. The guys are on horses. They're like, I might get off this horse. I don't need to. Like dog,
1: you know. I shoot it. He takes it. He finds it. We shoot it. He brings it back to me. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> right. That's awesome. They didn't need you. They don't need us to do this. So it's kind of just weird how we need to start concentrating. And we have a, a whole odor deployment section in here that... A lot of people had a a part in writing, and it's just kind of like we just took what you know, a lot of the stuff that we learned on humidity and what is surface odor. Just because you put a pound of you took the cap off, something that said it was one pound does not mean that you put one pound of odor out, people. That's just the cap, the cap is off. That's it. So you're looking at one gram, you know what I mean? One gram of odor, surface odor not a pound and then those guys put it eight feet off the ground and wonder why the dog's not finding it and so then you make the mistake you go there and start pointing it out yeah. now the dog's using his eyes not his nose Right. And we're in trouble then, because now he goes. I got your number. I'll just, I'll just wait. Yep. wait. You'll point so you it out for me, baby. Me. <laughs> any minute, any
3: minute now, you're gonna point it out to and me. Just wait. The dogs. And tell me the and dogs looking around, and, he, and the dogs going. Yeah, there he <laughs> goes. Come here, buddy.
1: Come on over here. He just slows down every once in a while. Uh, is he reaching? No. Okay, I'll keep going. Did he reach? No. Nope, I'll keep going. Right. Yeah. Did he point anything out to me? No. I'll keep
3: going. But yeah. I'll just hold my breath here for a while, he'll, he'll come over. But this talks <laughs> about
1: uh, deployment itself, uh, patrol deployment, uh, the odor deployment, the nose deployment, it talks about all those different things and that stuff that the human learns it has got nothing to do with handling the dog at a particular moment. There's no particular skill at that level, and you're just learning how odor works. And then you'll go out and practice it. That's why it's good for some of the guys that are doing maintenance training to take the class as well because now they can go over the chapter with everybody sitting in the room, and it's golden. That's how we learn. You know? That's how we learned to taser. You sat there and took the class first. It was all written curriculum or the policy and procedure. You went over all that stuff, but it's all operational yeah. stuff. Then you went out and shot the thing.
2: Yeah.
1: Same with baton. You go over the, this is what a baton is, what it looks like, this. PowerPoint. Yeah. And this is our policy on it, and then we're going to go out and practice. So that's how humans learn. But these guys get stuck, like you said, uh, they get stuck on, well, you get a hands-on experience. Yeah, you're going to get that. Yeah. And real quick, you're going to get it. So let's get the, the other stuff out of the way that really matters, the handler's training. So there's skill, handler skill, and then there's handler training. So.
3: so ideally for an agency, it's for them to get their handler to go through this. When he's done, time it. To start a class. Yep, got the dog ready for you. You remember this? I'm not re explaining this to you, or you already should know this from you took a test, you took all this other stuff. It is nice because it wouldn't be the first time they've ever heard it.
1: Oh my god, yeah. yeah. Right, and sometimes, you know, it's hard as an FTO, and then you're getting the next trainee, you're getting the next trainee, and then sometimes you get ahead of yourself too. You think that this helps you with the strict curriculum on you know where you're supposed to be you don't she didn't jump 10 chapters ahead because the last guy left he was already at that particular level and exactly. now you got this brand new guy in there and you're like you're trying to jump 10 chapters ahead it's like yeah. well this helps you keep yourself on track as well and same with trainers the trainers can utilize this from day one it talks about history of the working dog for law enforcement not military but law enforcement it goes all the way back to jack the ripper stuff. so um, bloodhounds yeah. And it goes back to the split of the Dutch Shepherd and the Malinois. It's history of the, the breed that's used for law enforcement and history of police, law enforcement, not military, and with all due respect, you know what I mean? Yeah. We appreciate that stuff and the service, of course, but when these guys go to do their demos and they're talking about, well, okay, give us a history on law enforcement dogs, they're like, oh, back in World War One they were in World War 2 you're like, whoa, dude, no police no, not, work not that far police that far. work buddy <laughs> yeah. so when were they used in police work first and what breeds and that's some more of the education for that and then we go into and they don't even know you know about a split between the Dutch and the mal how that even came about and then we just keep going from every chapter uh, equipment maintenance home kindling yeah, um, yeah. officer uh, handler safety then officer canine hazards and those are all different chapters it's all it's all in there so patrolling with the canine veterinarian care with the canine it's all Good. in there so you gotta have that stuff
3: well, that's great that's great yeah this is a one of a kind right it's the yep. only one that's the first only one so
1: i'm sure no one else has trademarked and copyrighted now it's got the little r symbol ten thousand ten thousand dollars later but Yeah. <laughs> You play that game. Right, So right. Uh,
0: we can check you out at K9Stack.com. And um, K9FTO.com. And, K9 and K9 oh, k so uh, Sign up. You guys uh, there. Uh, both, and, uh, both
3: have you emails. Know.
1: Is the yep. way to contact? Yep. Probably the best way. Both, both have the emails. Both those have the phone number on there, the 925-997-3122, and they can just get a hold of us. And Yeah, we'll put all that in the show notes, too. We'll rock them through it, so...
0: I want to take a second to talk about equipment selection for patrol work. One of the most important aspects of teaching and maintaining patrol functions is your equipment. Proper so- equipment selection and fit makes all the difference in the world when it comes to creating and maintaining patrol and sport dogs. This episode is possible in part with support from Arno at ALM Suits. Because of the importance of this equipment, I use ALM suits exclusively. I've owned one for about five years and use it almost daily at the kennel and have caught thousands of dogs and tens of thousands of bites. Arno was able to make a great fitting suit for my lanky ass, and I couldn't be happier with it. Arno can take your measurements and make you a suit that would make Jacob Davis happy. (laughs) Who's going to Google that to get the joke? Arno uses top quality materials and handmakes each and everything he does in his shop in Vegas. Between the top-notch materials and the handmade aspect, you're getting some of the best bite equipment in the world from ALM. The suits come in a full range of weights, from training weight to comp weight, which is what I use because I'm not a pussy and you shouldn't be either. He offers some Kevlar inserts to make the thinner suits a little safer and more comfortable, plus they keep your tattoo artist happy. He makes a full range of toys and reward tugs also. Be sure to hit him up at k9equipment.com. That's the letter K, the number nine, or Arno, A-R-N-O, at A-L-M-Suits.com. Be sure to use the discount code WDRadio for 10% off your first order. Tell him you heard it here. Now go get bit. Oh, hold on a second. Let's talk about A bite Suits. From start to finish, you can order a new suit online in like 10 minutes. That even includes the time to custom design your own unique suit. The days are way gone of having to order packets and snail mail everything back, and then you're not sure if they got it, So all you have to do is get online, your order is sent straight to the kids at deminaybitesuits.com, and then once it's confirmed, everything's set up, they send it straight to Deminay, making your life much easier and guaranteeing the fastest delivery time. Their online process is catered to giving you guys peace of mind while ensuring the fastest results. Deminay offers a solution when it comes to high-quality, durable, professionally made bite suits. Invest in a Deminay bite suit and take pride in having a reliable suit made just for you. That'll never let you down. DemineBiteSuits.com is operated by Complete Canine Training, LLC, which is Chris and Chelsea. They're based out of Loveland, Colorado. They've been training police canines and protection dogs and family dogs for over 10 years. They have the same passions as you guys, so you know that when you want in a bite suit, they want the same things too, and they're here to help you guys through the process. Feel free to contact them, and they'll be able to help you out and point you in the right direction. Head over to DemineBiteSuits.com. That is D E M. A-n-e-t bytesuits.com. Go over, be sure to use the 10% off of anything you have you're going to order. The discount code is working dog radio, all one word. They do free shipping. They also do purchase orders for government and, and law enforcement agencies. They also started a new program where they're going to do financing for buy it now, pay later through PayPal. Hit them up, Demonabite Welcome back, Working Dog Radio. Eric and Tatterk here, broadcasting live from Bravo Three Tripwire Operations Group in Las Vegas, Nevada. This year, uh, we're at the USPCA booth uh, with Ben Schaefer, who's the National Training Director for uh, USPCA. Uh, Eric, what else have we got going on while we've been here?
3: Uh, we're you know doing a bunch of interviews. We're going to try to put together a show from Bravo Three here of all kinds of different people. You know, um, so like this episode. As you guys know, as you're following through, we'll have several different people, experts in this field, and uh, it's it's a good time, man. This is a this we've mentioned it before is a great show. We're really enjoying ourselves. So, we're going to go ahead and talk to Ben. Uh, ben, why don't you give us a little bit of
0: your background? Talk about USPCA, talk about what you do for those guys, and then uh, we'll kind of go from there.
2: Sounds good. Yeah, my name is Ben Schaefer. So, uh, my working dog career started back in the Marine Corps back in 2004. I uh, started out as a patrol explosive dog handler uh, in Quantico, Virginia. Uh, follow on from that, I got moved down to Camp Lejeune. Uh, I got to head overseas a few times, got to visit Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, Had a really great career wouldn't trade it for the world Uh, follow on my marine corps career i ended up working as an intelligence contractor uh, some contracts overseas Um, had a lot of fun with that got to meet a lot of great people and uh, follow on from that i ended up uh, linking up with the united states police canine association uh, trying to contribute some of my accolades that i've developed and picked up along the way um, and and hope to benefit uh, the community and the law enforcement community at the same time um, I've been doing that ever since, and uh, it's taken me all over the world. And it's uh, been a great opportunity.
3: That's cool. So, um, uh, USPCA has been around how long? Uh,
2: 1971. Uh,
3: 1971.
2: That's when we, got, uh, we set up. We're the oldest and the largest uh, association in the country. Uh, we like to think of ourselves as one of the most active as far as uh, available training uh, opportunities and things like that.
3: So, when I got hired in my department, it was 1996, and as a rookie guy before they hit the road we had a conference in ohio and uh well the uspca national conference and we were the host agency and i had to do all the grunt work you know as a new guy do is go go over here drive this there drive that there and back then in 96 i i figured i kind of got the impression the uspca was doing their pd1 trials you know and, and doing some testing and holding some seminars and but now i think it's there's a lot more than that
2: we're really trying to push that. Um, you know, I've, I've been real lucky to meet some great people. Uh, the national president Jason Bratt, who's out of St. Paul Police Canine, um, uh, no stranger to a long line of, of working dogs in, in that community. One of the oldest organizations in, in the country, uh, and still one of uh, one of the largest. Um, He's really been active this year in trying to put the right people in the right places, Um, like myself, uh, some of my um, uh, other instructors that I work with. uh, Danny Page, who's also a former law enforcement follow-on CIA head trainer. Uh, He's one of the the gentlemen that I travel with. Um, I've tried to resource as many people as I possibly can through my contacts. Uh, Charles Rotenberry, who is a former Marine with myself and then uh, followed on through the uh, TSA program. He's there now uh, doing some really great things and, and trying to bring as much, uh, as many tools as, as we possibly can to the toolbox.
0: So USPCA uh, does several things. They cover cover um, testing and certification for everything from explosives, narcotics, patrol, uh, fish and wildlife game, search and rescue, cadaver. Uh, I think I missed something, but you guys host trials and it's a, it's, It's it's one of the it's the oldest, but it's one of the most widely recognized in terms of federal case law. Correct?
2: That's correct. That's correct. So, um, you know, some of our advisors and attorneys have over the years have tried to travel and do the same type of education for law enforcement groups um, on the background and and kind of the most up to date case law as it regards to not just canine in general, but everything involved around that picture uh, throughout the operational community.
0: Yeah, one of the things that Eric and I talk about a lot is um, certifications and certification standards. Now, you know, the United States is still kind of the wild west when it comes to canine. You know, just in my area, you know, we've got Oklahoma, Kansas, Texas, Arkansas, Missouri, and Louisiana that are relatively close, and every single one of those states has no certification standards for, like, say, Louisiana versus Arkansas that has a patrol certification and a narcotics or detection certification. So with the states that it require or don't require, uh, a lot of times I always suggest it's either it's a good idea to go see you guys and be like just. I know it doesn't, it's not mandated but it's definitely good. So when you're part of USPCA, kind of talk about what that happens in terms of be having access to the legal team and I know there's some benefits for handlers should something happen and all that kind of stuff.
2: Absolutely. So, you know, anytime, again, as as you stated before, anytime, you know, you have that affiliation with a larger group uh, and a larger network of individuals and professionals that, you know, can give you that support and maybe have been there and done that or been through something similar that can offer, you know, if, if not legal advice, you know, by, by the standard, but also uh, just professional recommendations. Um, You know, it goes back to the, uh, the infamous cross-talking benefits, you know, of the units and things like that um in our travels we see a lot of uh, of those types of similar situations where either the units are doing self-certifications or um you know there, there may not be a, like you're saying a set standard um it just it just leaves room and open um Uh, opportunities, you know, to be dissected legally, um, you know, without having that standard in place. So any organization, absolutely, the USPCA is definitely uh, something that's near and dear to myself um, and definitely produces a a level of respect throughout the nation uh, as one of the highest level of standards and and all the different levels of certification.
3: So you travel all over the country? We do. Doing evaluators courses and, and training and seminars and things. That's correct. Have you, what... Like the increase in EOD dogs, that's got to be something that you've, even from when you started in there, you see a huge uptick in it?
2: Uh, Absolutely. And, you know, with all the capabilities, you know, and and we'll speak, I guess, directly into the EOD side and to the explosive detector dog side, um, you know, we've just started, I really believe, to unlock the capabilities of what the the dogs are capable of and how we can integrate those into other movements uh, with other units and and try to build that fluid working dog ability um, throughout any time. Type of operational situation. Um, the EDD stuff um, absolutely uh, as we learn more about how uh, target odor behaves and different resources for being able to imprint properly and making sure that we're covering everything from the ground up um, to ensure that the dogs are set up for success and and really build the confidence in the community uh, of a good force multiplying asset.
3: Do you guys still host uh, USPCA seminars, like national big big events?
2: We do. We do. So we've been covering, uh, we've been trying to source out uh, different regions that are willing to host us to come in. Uh, we, As evaluators, we do this uh, as volunteer work. We don't get a salary. We don't do anything like that. Uh, the association will cover our expenses, but we do this because uh, of the value uh, that we see goes to those handlers on the ground. Uh, so we'll, we'll travel throughout the U.S. We've done St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, we've done New York City, we've done Boston, uh, we've done Philadelphia. Um just to name a few. Uh, we, our average turnouts have been anywhere between 40 and 60 teams. Uh, and that also includes the, the the supervisors also have the option to come to those style of classes. Uh, it's called the advanced uh EOD and evaluators course. And so we try to uh you know uh educate the evaluators on what we're seeing as, as instructors and then also at the same time uh better the dog and better the handler and possibly give them experiences that they don't don't have in their home units
3: you know it's funny you mentioned saint paul so in 96 at the national conference uh, my exposure to uh, canine guys was i went and helped i didn't know anything they put me in a decoy in a bathroom at a park and my exposure was uh detroit and saint paul yes those guys were rocking it i always remember they sent their dog in to, to get me in the in the bathroom and they tell me to bring the dog out and i come out and the guy from st paul is standing on the roof of the bathroom with his pistol out he climbed on top of the bathroom i was i'm like those guys those guys get at it it's <laughs> toilet lights are the best right <laughs> <laughs> we do
0: that all the time send dogs under bathroom stalls and bite you in the leg they jump up <laughs> in your lap and bite you in the chest yeah that's that's awesome so uh ben where can we uh you know i i actually some of my local handles down in tulsa are getting ready for the trial in April with uh, TPD. Uh, Those dudes do a great job down there. Um, Where if uh, somebody is interested in getting a hold of the organization or finding the testing certification standards or anything like that. Where can we get a hold of that information?
2: Well, you can take a couple of different routes. I think, you know, socially uh, is, is one of the easiest ways, uh, you know, through either Facebook or our website at www.uspcak9.com, uh, K is in uh, K and 9, obviously, versus... Uh, the, the full spelling but that that's one asset that they can search that out um, there, everyone is basically throughout the US belongs to a region whether they do it or not and they can also research that to get a hold of the local regional offices as well um, our executive director David Furland um, you know his, his uh, information. He's, he's a great source if people are trying to get involved. Uh, Jason Brott, uh national president, also a great uh, source. Melinda uh, Rupp, she's uh, uh, our national secretary. All of those individuals uh, are, are more than willing and happy to provide any information, but the website is, is very informative.
0: Yeah, that's where uh, I, I had to get all the stuff down, downloaded for all of the, uh, the trial certification standards and what all of the ins and out and the rules are for my guys because they're getting they're getting trained up to go get their pd1s in april so absolutely uh, i think that's probably it what do you got eric
3: nope that's it i uh I, I when i got into the police department we knew about USPCA. uh they've been around a long time it was the first group i ever heard of and uh it's glad to see you guys are still kicking butt and progressing and getting more and more into you know a lot of stuff because the dogs are
2: it absolutely thank you very much for having me thanks thanks man thanks man
0: Working Dog Radio is edited and co-produced by Dustin Wright at Bracket Designs. Be sure to hit him up at BracketDesigns.com for any branding or content-related work you have. We were graciously granted permission to use this rad music by Brother Deeg. Go buy him a beer at BrotherDeeg, spelled D-E-G-E, dot blogspot, spelled D-E-G-E, or hit him up on iTunes, Amazon, CD Baby, or any other music streaming stores. Check the show notes for links to both of these creative geniuses.